to jump into some hopefully great things in God's word for us today uh, is our plan for that. Uh, I will say this to our, our grads, man, graduating high school is a huge accomplishment. Like, it really is. It takes a lot of work from a lot of people, um, including you, but uh, mostly others. But, uh, but you've done it, and, and you have accomplished this great feat, and I'm super proud of you for that. Um, there's a sense of joy, independence that comes. I, I try to tell the seniors every year, it's like, you can't understand this until you get that piece of paper. But something about that piece of paper makes you feel more independent, uh, makes you feel like I got freedoms that I've never had before. Like, I don't know whether you're going off to college or not. There's, a, there's something about that piece of paper that causes this transition. It's, a, it's another growth time that's happening, and they'll experience some, some freedoms and, and independence that they've never had before. But also with that comes challenges that they've never had before, um, temptations that they've never had before. And, and we need to be prepared for that. Our, our goal as parents, our goal as pastors, our goal as mentors and teachers and all the people that have been in our lives, our goal is to lay such a strong foundation that it's not going to crumble when you go off. Like our goal from the time you're born is to learn how to let you go. Um, I mean, we were cutting umbilical cords, you know, the minute you're born, and it's preparing us to let go of you. And so it's, it's, a, it's a privilege and an honor, but it's scary in all of that. Um, hopefully today in this message I can share a little bit of challenge with you in that. We have been studying the book of Galatians is where we've been. Um, Mark and Brett have done a great job in the first two chapters of that kind of talking through us. Um, Paul is kind of starting a new section here in chapter 3, which is where I get to go today. Um, and it's, 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 it's a new defense maybe that we'll see here in just a second. The first two chapters, um, Paul has confronted the false teachings and the allegations about himself that were being introduced into these churches, which actually he planted, um, and he left them with this foundation of, of the gospel, and now this, this new way of teaching has come in, and it needed to be addressed. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, verse 16, I want to reiterate what he said when he said, we know that a person is not justified, or uh, which is being made right with God, is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. They will be made right with God. That's our desire is to be made right with God. We want to be in right relationship with him. We want to be in right position with him. And that justification he's talking about doesn't happen because of our works. It happens because of our faith, because of God. And so these were non-Jewish Christians in Galatia. I'm not trying to confuse you with all this, but I want you to understand the context of where we've been so you'll know where we're going. And they were being told that if they wanted to fully live as Christians, they had to be like the Jews. The, the Jews were the right ones. You guys need to learn from us, and, and this is how it's supposed to be. Um, they must keep all the regulations of the law of Moses, um, things like circumcision, things like eating kosher, uh, food rules, those kind of things. And so that's what they began to do. That's what they kind of turned their attention to is, oh, we have to check all these boxes, and we have to do these things in order to be a full Christian. We can't be a half Christian or a part Christian in all of this. And, and Paul has talked about these things, and now he's going to address it almost as though it's an oral debate. There's no one there debating with him, but he's speaking in this way to, to defend his point, to understand, hey, this, this hasn't changed. So that's kind of where we, we pick this up, and so we're going to be into uh, Galatians uh, chapter 3 is where we're going to start. So while we turn there and get ready, Mandy, I need your help with something. I have a deck of cards, and I just need you to shuffle this deck of cards. So can you do that? Catching it's a first stop, so that's good. 
Um, and so she's going to shuffle that up. So we're going to go into Galatians 3, um, 1, and it starts, says this. You foolish Galatians. There's an exclamation point. Paul was being loud. This was not a passive comment he's making. He wants to speak directly to you. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, there's a word we don't hear often. It's a TV show. If you're, ding, 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 like if you remember Bewitched, um, they don't know Bewitched. But, uh, but Bewitched, who has tricked you? Who has, who has taught you something that's not true? Paul is stunned and surprised and even disappointed that these Christians have been so easily duped. They've been so easily tricked in, in the tower. And even he gave a warning that this might happen or is happening back in, in uh, Galatians 1 when verse 7 says, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Hey, there's, there's going to be people that are going to tell you this, this isn't really right. This is the right way. And, and there's, it's already happening. And now he's saying, you foolish Galatians, how did you get tricked? How did this happen to you? How could you possibly believe this? Then he goes on to the end of verse 1. It says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, he's not saying that everybody there was an eyewitness to the crucifixion. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying everybody there. But everybody heard clearly the presentation of the gospel of Jesus crucified. When Paul and Barnabas went on their missionary journeys, every time they, that you can see, Paul sticks to the cross. It's so important to what everything that we believe is based on. And so he's telling them there that, that Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as this. When we came to you, the death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus was clearly and vividly proclaimed, publicly talked about. Every one of you know and heard what Paul said. You know. It's like, it's like that if you know someone that's a really good storyteller or you read a really good book and you can just see it in your mind exactly how it happened. Some of the great broadcasters of baseball, when you listen to it on the radio, Vin Scully and those guys, like, man, they paint the picture of how green the grass is and how blue the sky is and how the uniforms look and the ball and the dirt and everything there. And you can just see it in your eyes so clear, in your mind so clearly. And great storytellers are able to do that. This was Paul. He said, we have told you this over and over and over. You know the truth of the cross. It's clearly been shared with you. It's not something that you go, well, I kind of wonder about this or maybe about that. There was no question. The crucifixion of Jesus was big. Paul preached it all the time. And so because of that, Paul is stunned that these guys would easily buy into a system of teaching that makes the cross unnecessary. Like we've removed the cross. Oh, you have to be like a Jew now and check all these boxes, none of which take you back to the cross. None of which do that. If being right with God is really about what I do or what I can do, then what Jesus did is irrelevant. And it's not. What he did is foundational. It's everything for us. And they've been duped into believing that that's not true anymore. That it's not as vital as it used to be. There's other things that are more important, other boxes that you need to check to be good enough for all of this. Paul even wrote this in the last line of Galatians 2 before we get to Galatians 3. He said, if justification, being made right with God, if justification were through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I don't want to stand before God someday and say, yeah, what you did with Jesus really wasn't that necessary because I was pretty dang good. It's not going to happen. Depart from me, I never knew you. 
It's not by works that we are saved. It's by faith and that not of ourselves so that we cannot boast. See, that's, that's how that goes. And, and in these next few verses, we have some questions that we have to consider. Now, before we, we get to that, I want to do an experiment with you on this because it's easy for us to judge these Galatians. It's easy for us to say, well, I would never be tricked that way or whatever. So, man, if I could have that deck of cards back, that would be awesome. Fantastic. All right, you have the rubber bands. Can we put those back on? That would be helpful. No, you're totally good. So while she's doing that, what I need are, yeah, I'll just take it. I need four volunteers that are going to help me with this. Um, and so you're going to have a choice. Okay, um, let me see. Raven, come on up here. I want you to come up here. Um, Scotty Mac, yeah, you come on up here too. That'll be good. That'll be good. Where's Jessica? There she is. Okay, yeah, Jess, come on up here. I thought it was your hand up there on that. And where's Jackson McCalmont? Where are you at? No, y'all stay right down there. Stay right down there. Jackson, yeah, you come on. Now, just kind of spread yourself out, Scott. Go down there just a little bit. And then here, come on here, Raven. Right here, just a few feet apart. Just a few feet apart. And then, Jess, if you'll stand right here. And then, yeah. Don't, not close enough where you can touch them. <laughs> so, Jackson, yeah, you're right there at the edge of the steps. All right, so here's what I want you to do. So, I got the cards. You shuffle the cards. So, what I want you to do, I'm going to give you the cards, all right? And I want you to just to... Peel it back and look at a card, all right? That's all you have to do is just peel it back, look at a card, and then I want you to pass it to the next person. Peel it back, look at a card. I need to do this quickly because the sermon will take too long. So look at a card and then pass it to the next person. Got it? Here you go. So take that, look at one card. I'm not going to look and just pass it to the next person. One card, quickly, go. Next person. Pass it to the next person. Pass it to the next person as we go through all this. All right, now throw it back to me on the count of three. One. It's okay. That's right. You go to A&M. It's all right. So here's what I want you to do. Don't. I, I shouldn't have said it, but it was funny. Y'all look that way. Don't look at me. I don't want you to look at me. I don't want to give any facial help to me at all. Don't respond in any way. But here's the deal. I am going to tell you what card you looked at. That's what I'm going to do. And if I say your card then I want you to go sit down, all right? So here we go, here we go. This is what we got. Two of clubs, eight of hearts, three of spades, six of diamonds. If I said your card, go sit down. That's pretty dang impressive, isn't it? But you know what I just did? I just tricked you. I just tricked you. See, that was awesome. I have two decks. That's right. So she shuffled this deck, and that was fine. And then I had this deck, and the only cards in the whole deck were those four cards. So I was going to get it right no matter what. You all may have had the same card, but it doesn't matter because I got it right. So, but I tricked you. So don't say that you can't be tricked and, and think that you're, you're above all that. My guess is this, that everybody in this room has been bewitched in some way. You think, well, I don't, I don't know about that, Alan. I'm pretty smart. You know, you can't trick me. I... I what would you say, Jackson? You can't trick me? Like something like that? Yeah. Um, but here's the deal. I think we've been tricked into believing a lie over the truth of God's word. Um, have you ever defined or measured your relationship with God according to how good you've been? I mean, I have. 
It's easy to do that. Have you ever believed that God's acceptance or rejection of you is based on how well you obey or how badly you've messed up? See, we, we do that. We, we have this default in us to where we, we think, well, we're not good enough for God. He doesn't love me as much because I'm not as good as that person. I messed up so much, so now I'm disqualified. Can I tell you that nothing disqualifies us from the love of Christ? Like there's no height nor depth or anything that can separate us from the love of Christ. He promises us that. It's impossible for him to love you any more than he already does. It's impossible for him to love you less than he already does. He is at maximum capacity of his love for you. And yet we get bewitched into believing these lies. We get bewitched into saying, well, the comparison game and I lose. So we're going to look at these questions that are, that are here. So Galatians 3, now verse 2. Paul says this, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Paul's asking, did you earn God's gift? Did you get what you got because of what you did? Did you earn it? Were you good enough? You passed enough levels to where you got the superpower? Like, is that how that worked? You win the game because you leveled up enough times? That he's, he's asking this one thing. Did you receive it by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? See, Paul also told this to the Ephesians. You don't have to jump over there. It'll be on the screen. But in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 13 uh, and beyond, it says, In him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Like, that's the promise. Did you forget the promise? Did you forget what was done for you? Do you forget how you received this? It wasn't through what you did. It was through what you heard and what you believed. That came to faith there. So not only does the Spirit of God help us walk in a new life, but he's the evidence that we have a new life. Without him, we don't have a new life. And our old life is destined for hell. That's the truth. That's the reality. Apart from Jesus, we have no hope of eternity. And we get suckered into believing that we have to do all these things when all these things have been done. We can't do them on our own. Did the gift of the Spirit, the gift of new life, come when you performed properly? No, it didn't. They knew the answer to this when he asked the question. They knew the answer. So why would God make that relationship contingent on obedience to the law? Why would he change his mind? If he said, this is what you heard, this is what you believe, this is faith, oh, but that was the easy part. Now you got to do all the work over here. Not to say that we don't invest our lives in, in this, that we fully sell out to Jesus. It's not a get out of hell free card. But, but he says, why would, why would God change his mind in the middle of this? Um, I recognize that there are times in our lives when keeping the rules and being good is how we... Is how we uh, Give ourselves props, if you will. That, that's how, how, we, um, how we're doing. This is the, the total thing of our Christian life, our duty. And so we look, at, we look at our good deeds, like how many chapters of the Bible we read and how much we serve at church and uh, how much I've gone to camps and I've done all these things and I can check all these boxes because I'm better than the person over there. And, and that way our, our performance is, is, are these things. And I think that we imagine God going, golly, Alan, you're my favorite. You've done so good. Like, Let's put extra stars on your chart today. Like, God doesn't have a chart. You know what that chart is? That chart is covered in red blood because it's covered everything. 
It's, it's not about our performance in this. But on the, on the flip side of that also, we have this tendency, or maybe it's just me, that when our struggles and sin and self and laziness feel like chains of the Christian life. And so we look at our failings and, and laziness and struggles and poor choices, and we come to the conclusion that God is just ticked off at us, um, that he's sick of us, and he's ready to squash us. I, I don't know if that's just me or you've ever felt that way, like I'm just a terrible person. I can't believe that. The enemy is coming and whispering those lies. If you really love God, you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have looked at that. You wouldn't. And we allow that just to beat us down and feel like that we're going to be judged. It's in those moments that you need to remember this question. Did you earn God's gift? Did you earn it? Did God give it to you based on how well you were performing? Did God keep it from you based on how you struggled? No. The answer is no. None of that. Quit making it about you. Quit making it about me. New life through, through Christ came simply by faith. It's by faith. You heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, you were saved by the gospel, period. End of story. You were the recipient of all of that. Shouldn't, here's a great question, shouldn't what God did in our lives affect how we view God is doing in our lives now? If we believe that what God did was enough for us to trust him with our eternity, trust him with our heart, trust him with our lives, if what he did was enough, why would we quit looking at that? Why would we quit going away from that? Why don't we have that same view about what he's doing now? If he did everything he could, sending his son to die a brutal death on a cross, be buried for three days, and rise from the, from the dead, why would he stop doing that now? Why would that become less important now? We have to keep that lens in front of us all the time of what the gospel is and what the cross stands for. We, we can't go, yeah, it was enough when I didn't want to go to hell, but it's not enough now because I have to be good enough. Stop it. Stop it. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to check all the boxes. Be still and know that he is God. Hide God's word in your heart so that you don't sin against him. Take the truth of the gospel and let it dwell richly in your heart. If it was good enough for salvation, it's good enough for right now. Next question, verse 3. Are you so foolish? I mean, he's just hammering them. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? I can just see Paul, like, seriously? Like, really? Like, do you not remember anything I taught you? How many parents have said that? Really? Did you not listen to anything I said? And they do it anyway. I, that's, that's every generation. So, I mean, we can get frustrated, but it's us too. He's like, you started so strong. Following Jesus starts, continues, and ends with dependence on the Holy Spirit. It doesn't depend on anything else. It depends on the Holy Spirit. He's telling them, you started with the highest possible power, the Holy Spirit. You started with the highest possible power, and now you're trying to finish with the lowest possible power, human effort. Why? Why would you do that? It, it makes no sense. It's like this. It's like you're going to take a trip to Florida. All right, family, we're going to Florida. And you take off driving to Florida. You get about halfway there and you stop and you say, all right, everybody out. We're walking the rest of the way. Why would you do that? 
You have the power to get there. It's been provided for you. But I'm just going to walk away from it because what I can do is better now. We got this. Give me those bags. Let's walk. And, and It's dumb. We would never do that on a trip. Why would we do that on our journey with Christ? Why would we say, you know what, Jesus, pull the car over. Leave the Holy Spirit out. I got this. Big trouble. Jesus is good to get my get-out-of-hell-free card, but I'll take it from here. I got eternity, so I'm good. I'll check that box, and I'm going to walk away. Better make sure that other box is checked first. Once you check that box, you don't ever want to walk away. You don't ever want to lose the Holy Spirit. Next question, verse 4. Have you experienced, some versions may say suffered in that, that they're interchangeable in that. Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? You see, in the past, the Galatians had suffered because of their faith in Christ. If they are now deciding that they can be saved by works, the human effort, then there was no need to have endured all the suffering. There was no need for Jesus on the cross. There was no need for, if I can do it on my own, then it would have been for nothing. But it wasn't for nothing. It was for the sake of Jesus, who went through the ultimate suffering for us. And he tells us, this, the suffering you have is light and momentary in light of eternity. We put so much value on this planet. We put so much value on how we feel. We put so much value on that that we forget what Jesus went through in all of this. He endured the ultimate suffering. It's so much bigger than this life and what we feel. Students, you're going to feel things. And they may feel good in the moment. Just because it feels good doesn't make it right. Just because it feels bad doesn't make it wrong. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. He's got things for you. And it's to shape you into the image of Jesus. That's the whole thing. Is it always going to feel good? No, it's not. You're going to have temptations and challenges and things you've never had before. Where are you going to stand? Are you going to listen to that or are you not going to listen to that? It's so much bigger than all of that. Last question, verse 5. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? It's actually a repeat of the first question with a little twist in there. Like he's coming back to the, the whole thing about what you believe and works and all that kind of stuff. But then he throws the other thing in there, and work miracles among you. Like, do you think you're responsible for God's miracles? Like, are we really arrogant enough to think that we're responsible, that we have enough power and control that we can get one of God's miracles to show up? Like, do we really? We can't. We can't. It, there's nothing you can do for that. God did not work miracles because of something they did, but simply because they believed in him. The relationship was there. It was an act of love that God did perform these miracles among you. God doesn't give more or less based on how good we are, but how good he is. Our goodness does not affect him. His goodness changes us. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. His goodness is because of relationship, not because of our works. Our full trust must be in him at all times. When kids are little, you always, I don't know, maybe y'all did, maybe you didn't, but be careful, little ears, what you hear, like, you know, that little song right there. We would be wise to have that in the front of our minds at all times. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because the enemy is trying to lie and sell you a bill of goods. It's just not true. It's what he's trying to do. But Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing, not from doing. 
Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's what it's all about. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, mouths, what you say to those little ears. May this be the voice that speaks loudest. May this be the foundation that truth is built on. May this be what our seniors take off wherever's next for you. May this be the foundation that you stand on and the lens that you look at that will guard your heart above all else. That is our prayer for you in this. Seniors, do not forget what you have heard. You saw all the people that stood up that poured into you. You may not remember your diaper being changed by them. You may not remember the songs that they sung over you in preschool. Maybe you remember some of the things in VBS and camps and different stuff. All these small group leaders that invested in you and poured into you. You have been clearly and vividly shown the cross of Christ. It's been painted for you in such a clear way. Don't ever replace it. It's not an and thing for you. It's a foundation thing for you. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. The cross was God's way to make a relationship to us. That is where we have to stay grounded, is in the cross that's there. The truth of who Jesus is and what he has done does not change. You need to stand strong on what you know, and do not be tricked into thinking it's about you and what you can do. It's about him and what he's already done. And what he's already done is enough. You don't have to pass another test. You don't have to pass another level. You don't have to get to the superstar status of your video game. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe. And our prayers that has been clearly presented to you and that you would hide that in your heart. And whatever happens, whatever temptations, experience that come, you look at it through the lens of the cross. The rhino is our mascot in our youth ministry. And some of you heard this before, but um, it's, an, it's a great thing about rhinos and, and what they are and who they are. Rhinos have no natural enemies other than man. Um, so they're really the king of the jungle. Sorry, lion. But, um, but they don't. And, and lions, I mean, uh, rhinos are, are fast. Rhinos are faster than squirrels. They're not quicker, faster. Uh, squirrels' top speed is 26. A rhino's top speed is 30. They can go. Now, here's the thing about a rhino, too. They're blind at 30 feet. So if you're 30 feet from them, they can't see you. And if they're going 30 miles an hour, they're going to hit you. Like, that's just what's going to happen. And so they, they can't see beyond that. A group of rhinos. What's a group of rhinos, students? Thank you very much. Whew, you passed. Not that it's a test or a box you have to check. Just, uh. But a group of rhinos is called a crash. It's interesting. Not many people know that. But uh, I think about a crash. I think about a car crash. I think about stock market crash. Things change. When a crash happens, things change. So my challenge to all of our students, and especially you seniors, as you head out to whatever's next on that agenda for you, what God has for you there, is that you would be a rhino. We have shirts that say rhino on mission, and that you would be a rhino. Point your horn towards the cross. You don't have to see further than that. We're not promised tomorrow anyway. And go as fast as you can towards the cross of Jesus and be a crash. Wherever you go, go make a difference. Things change when you show up for the better because you are running to Jesus because you know the truth of the cross. Mm -hmm.